Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. Everyone wants to see what Djokovic is doing at home and, you know, everyone wants a little insight into what's making him the best tennis player in the world. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. And you're very welcome back. Good to have Tim Vickery on the show there. The dulcet tones. Will has popped back into studio. Mick as well. The dulcet tones of one Tim Vickery. I just sent Tim Vickery a text by accident. Oh, yeah. Because I was obviously talking to him earlier and set him up. And What's for dinner tonight? No, it was, it, you know, it was almost as bad as that. Like, so basically, I got, you know, the thing where you get like a year ago, you were here. Oh, yeah. And, and I sent and we had, uh, it was like we had been on a, a weekend away in Drumolan and Clare and on the way back had a flat tyre. So one of the places that was uh, on my, where I was, was like a tyre place in Port Leash. So I sent uh, these pictures to my wife with the thing. I got, oh, look, uh, so-and-so tires my old buddies. Mm-hmm. And Tim, I didn't realise it said to Tim and he went, it's not as good as some place in South London. <laughs> So I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> completely mortified. But Tim took it in good spirits, obviously. Tim, that actually wasn't meant for you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't need to say. I will not be here on Monday, by the way. What? I, um, breaking news for us. Abandoning you. This is actually breaking news for me. Golf Weekly <laughs> Classic is on. Golf Weekly Classic. <laughs> on Monday? Yeah, Invitational. The Golf Weekly Classic is oh, on. Right, um, okay. you know. Who, who's going to be talking to David Herity and James O'Connor about oh, care yeah. of getting into the All-Ireland Final? That's actually true. I mean, that's actually a chat I'd quite like to have, but uh, not me. Will, are you around on no, that? Will's, <laughs> Will's doing the Hurling Pod. I'm Monday. doing the Hurling Pod, yeah. Uh, we'll find out. I'll, I'll find out who I've been dumped with. Oh, I mean... Well. Uh, <laughs> Graced with. Graced with. Uh, the Golf Weekly, we can't decide whether to call it the Classic or Invitational. Invitational class. So I presume Nathan Murphy's at this as well. Yes, he's also unavailable Monday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you also can't have Fionn Davenport or Peter Laurie. So we are... Uh, Options are dwindling by the minute. So anyway, again, Clean Castle, your favourite place, Joe? Yeah, indeed. Just to give them a shout out because they're so good to us. Uh, they're having us for the second year in a row, Clean Castle. It's like the one major we go back to every year. It's uh, Gust-esque. Jack Nicholas uh, signature best. golf course. Joe used to bring me to Clean back in the day, back when I used to... Be allowed to play well, golf. I, you should have come to this. I should have invited you. Uh, beautiful course, practice facilities. We are going to have food. We are going to have a Peter Laurie clinic. There'll be a round of golf and then the podcast recording in the clubhouse that evening. So we've been completely oversubscribed. It seems a lot of the Golf Weekly folk on Patreon do come and join us there. Monday is not an issue for them. There were no problems. Um, and part of the reason they're having this People year... People of leisure, Joe. Yes. Part of the reason they're having this this year is they very much want to get the word out about their new on-site accommodation. They have newly finished lodges. You can now very much stay and play. Weddings, meetings, events, all of that kind of business. Colleencastle.com. And uh, big thank you to Cormac and all the team for having us again because they've been just so good. They're giving us effectively the... The course for us to run riot. Is this where you put faces to the people in Discord? Yeah, a bit of that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the flip-flop budget like? Not as extensive as we'd hoped for. Right, you don't you don't quite have enough for a 25 per flip-flop and no. a couple of thousand on balloons? I only half know what you're talking about. I, I've seen headlines and someone did the maths and worked out that the flip-flops were very expensive for some 40... 200 pairs, 5,000 euro. Right. Didn't, didn't go to pennies. Okay. As Joe Duffy said, I think. Is that right? Is he allowed to say that? Mm. It's all kicking off. He's a contractor. I haven't followed today. Are you, do you know, even know what we're talking oh, about? Oh, no. I missed okay. the whole bloody thing. It's a disaster. I missed hey. the best. The next week's the real episode, though. <laughs> ne- next, next, next week, I've described uh, today as like, you know, like episode 12 of a 13-part HBO show. Yeah. The one where everybody dies. Yeah. That's, uh, 
Yeah. No, in the show, in the Sopranos, okay. I mean, not in the not in the actual Oroctus committee. Yes. Okay. Um, but I think next week's the one to watch. Right. Don't miss that one. And and like you don't need to have seen the previous episodes to tune in for next week. No. You you want you want to at least at, at least watch the previously on. Mm. Uh, I want to pick your brains, seeing as we have Will of the Hurling Pod and Michael, who, let's just say, has a leaning towards hurling, as in is yeah. obsessed by. So uh, Limerick oh, against Galway awesome. Saturday and Kilkenny Clare on the Sunday. We had James O'Connor and Paul Murphy on in the first part of the show. Both of them said they reckon both matches are one score games, which is what a you know lovely prospect that is. I can't wait myself. I'm so keen on this one. I was saying to you last night that um, I said to my dad will we go in you know like, uh, don't, not really a hurling family but it's Limerick this great team Galway will really give them a match Saturday evening go on let's go and so we said yeah and I went out to Ticketmaster and uh, very few seats left like we're we're down kind of the corner of lower mm. Cusack and, and like I was doing well to get them on Monday yeah and you've burst my bubble somewhat I feel a touch naive here because you said Oh yeah, they always do that, but then they put the tickets that the clubs send back to the GA on the market later in the week. That's when you get the really good seats. Yeah. What kind of system is that? Now I feel a little bit oh. on the spot here of you saying this on air uh, because I don't know if I could verify that that's exactly what happens, but it has. It's been my experience once or twice. For example, I have not yet bought my tickets for Clare and Kilkenny, which I am going to on Sunday. I have options in the lower Davin or in the corners if I was to go on Ticketmaster now but I'm hoping because it happened to be last year okay. I ended up in like 333 who Crow Park connoisseurs and uh, lovers of the Hogan stand will know is about as good as you can get uh-huh. and literally looking over the subs and yeah. you know the Arcoria like so and that's I bought them very late again because I just knew there wasn't going to be 82,000 so I'll get a ticket you can take that risk for like a Budster final or something like that that will genuinely sell out. But in Crow Park, you'll always get a seat and you'll always have a very, very good view no matter where you are in Croker, oh, except for the All-Ireland final. Me and my dad, trust me. Really? <laughs> well, he's going the virtual plan, having a quick look on. Oh, no. Yeah. We'll be waiting for the flags the other end of the pitch, I can tell you that much. Yeah. I don't know. I've always I've always found Croker you get a good view I'm no kidding. matter where. So it's not that urgent a thing. So I am taking that risk and holding I, out I, until I, probably Friday. And is this, is this but now like, that I've said that... Yeah, you'd be screwed. Is this a well-known thing? Well, yeah, it I, happens I, at Crow Park quite a bit. That's, does it? But okay. again, you can't take the risk. If you had taken that risk with the All-Ireland semi-final and the Talton Cup next week, the game sells out. You're going, right, I should have picked up something. Mm. Yeah, because you don't know what they're going to not open either. If there's a really bad, uh, if, if tickets aren't around, um, think, say, say if you're only getting 45,000 or something like that, they might not open the top tiers. Oh, yeah, I, I, we see, I then think, you're tied in, like, you know. I think they're looking at a really good crowd, but not a set out for... I think you're looking at 65 damage. maybe for Saturday night, and they'll be hoping to get 55. I think it was less than 50 last year what for the Kilkenny. Yeah, the Kilkenny just did not travel last year as well, yeah. uh, for Kilkenny Clare last year. So as James Scow was saying in the hurling pod that everyone in Galway's travelling is his sense. Mm. No, I think there is. I think there's been a big lift with Galway after the Tipperary game as well. Nice few of them had travelled down to the Gaelic grounds for the doubleheader in the quarterfinal. If they bring a reasonable crowd, Limerick would bring a massive crowd. Mm. Like Limerick have mobilised over the last five, six seasons, particularly given their success. You can understand that. But I think Galway, if they're to have a chance, they're going to need people from Galway to actually travel as well, or mm. they will be outnumbered by a few to one in Crow Park if they don't. Could be an interesting game. If Galway tried to strangle like it might not be the greatest thing to watch in the world, but if Galway tried to strangle it in the way they did with tip 
don't know if that will work against Limerick, but funnily enough, if it is close, I don't think you'll mind if it's not an amazing spectacle. Oh no, because it's all like in some ways Limerick are who they are, and seeing them bet or seeing them run to the pin of their collar is the entertainment in itself, really, isn't it? Yeah, in a shootout, Galway have no chance to win. Okay, it's as simple as that. If Limerick get back to the <coughs> twenty-seven points they were scoring consistently against Galway the last two times they beat them, I don't see Galway outscoring them. I think if Galway have got a chance of winning, they need to keep the score down like they did against Tipperary the last time, which they did effectively. But Tipperary played into their hands with the type of ball that they were playing in. I don't think Limerick would be that silly, and I think Limerick have got better shooting options out the field. But what has to give Galway hope is that they match up physically really well against Limerick. They're one of the few teams that I think can go toe to toe with them physically. Yeah. Connor Whelan's coming in tremendous this form and you can't get away from the possibility that it might not work out at six for Limerick depending on who goes in there uh, going for brevity mm-hmm. Limerick Kilkenny both of you no Limerick Clare I want Limerick Clare in the pod I, I, I'm, I have a weird feeling that Galway and Clare could be in the final and screw everything up but uh, no I, I'd probably go Limerick Clare I, look I, I feel very confident about Clare and look I mean there's a massive bias attached to it it's interesting to me that ultimately James's pick behind it all was Kilkenny. Yeah. You know, he took when he took his heart out of it. And Galway, I've, I've a fee- I have a weird feeling about Galway. We'll we'll be doing our quick picks on Friday, and I'll figure out. Well, I'll make a panic decision then. But the thing, the, the very interesting thing for Claire that I don't feel has been reported enough. Right, Tony Kelly did an interview after the Dublin match, um, just on the pitch, the man the match interview, where you don't expect anything. And nothing, and I mean nothing, comes out of this Clare Camp show. Like, I mean, there are brothers and sisters who don't know what's happening. Like, I mean, Brian Lowen runs a tight, tight ship. Okay? And he was talking about what's long been rumoured almost about, like, how tired Clare were after the Munster Championship, how much it took out of them last year. Now, a lot of that, I think, was emotional after the incredible extra time game. And James alluded to it that that's not the case this year. But Kelly said it straight out. He said, we paced ourselves much better through the round robin this year and that we hadn't done it in a couple of years because of COVID. And we just got it our space, basically, um, last year. And Clare were done. They were a spent force. They shouldn't have beat Wexford, and they did. And then they were beaten after 10 minutes against Kilkenny. There was the um, John Conlon not being there was a massive factor as well. So I am thinking to myself, like, I don't know how the actual Clare at their best match up against Kilkenny. And I'm taking on the evidence of this year rather than worrying about last season. And I just think they're slightly ahead of them. And that's just my personal opinion. I could prove wrong. Kilkenny could have the game won after 10 minutes again. You wouldn't write them off. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Kilkenny won. Yeah. But I think I'm picking Clare. I really do. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think Clare would be as bad as they were last year. Ah, no, they couldn't be. Tony Kelly could get marked out of the game again, but I think Clare's forwards give a bigger return this time. And the fact that it looks like McInerney and Conlon are going to be fit is a huge boost. If they were missing those two and Cleary, I'd be really worried about the Clare defence. But if they're fit, I think Clare get the better. I'm worried about the Clare defence anyway, to be honest. But look, there's other. They have they have as uh, probably the best group of forwards in the country. Like texting, lads, spare me the hurling waffle. What was the Jack Reedish conversation you were going to have at the end of a slight tangent yesterday? Hurling waffles, very hurtful. There's a tangent fan. We did on the YouTube of a slight tangent last night. The first comment, which generated a lot of likes, said, I'm in holidays with my girlfriend and she just said, this podcast is more exciting than this holiday for you. She's right. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. I was just thinking, Joe, if he gets stumped, he's got way more time for podcasts. Who's the real winner? Yeah. Cult stuff. I know. We were going to 
talk Jack Grealish. I don't think we'll do it next week, realistically. Uh, nothing has ever, ever lasted no, uh, it's a week. Right. All those emails that Will said were dumped last week. Yeah. That, yes, last night he was right. They're dumped. Yeah, I never reread them if they don't make me no. good. <laughs> so, well, I was just going to ask, because we hadn't actually talked about it, even off air. Like, Jack Grealish was the... Um, I felt like the main figure in he was the archbishop as he so often is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after the Champions League win uh, so I, I was going to say much criticised like definitely a few pieces going well this isn't actually that professional and you have a game for England in a few days you shouldn't be behaving this way I felt in the main most people thought ah come on let the guy have a good time oh yeah yeah, yeah. what do you think? yeah I was in that boat as well Oh, we're probably all going to agree then. Okay. No Unfortunately, crack. I think, Joe, if he'd been a sub, like, say, the year before and wasn't making an impression, and next thing he's necking pints in the middle of interviews and yeah. celebrations, you'd be like, what's he doing being front and centre? I think Jack Grealish, what he did this season, let him have his fun. No, I would think so too. Because, I mean, there were a few, I uh, think, pieces about our relationship with alcohol and extrapolating a lot from the fact that he was down in spirits at all times. And this is... A, this is I think there's room for that. I think there's also, like, I mean, I don't think that Jack Grealish is out every, you know, I, I think there's, there's look, there's conversations about that. I remember, like, I, I brought this up before, but there was an interesting uh, piece with a, I, I think there was a judge in Galway one time made a, made a, like, a, a comment on the bench about GEA uh, drinking culture and drinking bans. Mm. And basically, like, every September when the championships are over, there's a huge amount of public order offences because people are going absolutely crazy because they only do this. Yeah. They, they go off it for four months and then go on it. So there's other kind of, there's, there is binge drinking issues that I, the, everything doesn't have to be about your kind of, like, everyday alcoholism, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like, I mean... You're reaching a little bit there, I think, when it comes to like Jack Grealish winning the Champions League yeah. and having a good time for a few days, like you know. And uh, columnist do eventually drives you crazy. I'm writing a column every week. <laughs> <laughs> Take what you can get, <laughs> or just become like Adrian Charles and write about you know losing his keys. Indeed, it's one of the best. <laughs> it's one of the best columns you will read because they're always so inane. They're amazing. Uh, just to mention, by the way, the football pod, which is coming to you from there at Crow Park in advance of the football final, and the hurling pod is at the Board Gosh Energy Theatre. What do you consider a better venue? Uh, Borgost. Okay, it's funny that. You're using a meeting room in Crow Park. Whatever. <laughs> Big meeting room. Big meeting room. Uh, so the Hogan J- James O'Donoghue, Paddy Andrews this week. They were discussing Mayo's lack of fight in the second half of their loss to Dublin last Saturday. Have a listen. Dublin were better no, than I thought they were going to be. A good bit better. No, at the same time, their full back line was under savage pressure in the first half. I mean, they were in trouble. <laughs> They can see the eight points in about five minutes. You keep going after this full. Sure, they, they changed the merchant to go on to, to Tommy Conroy. They put someone else back. They definitely changed their system at half time as well to protect them. Another clean yeah, sheet. Yeah, but though. they tidy right up second half. But that's a sign of a great team that you can actually just change and adapt, especially at half time, just get in and change it up. But no, I was very impressed with Dublin. Are Mayo very disappointed, but, you know, architects of their own downfall again. Two goals were diabolical as well. Is it fair to say that regardless of Kerry's statement that they made on Saturday, and that was impressive, and we'll come back to that. Very impressive. What we saw from Dublin, given what Mayo showed us in the first half, was even more impressive. We were literally, we were just chatting, was that off air, Jimmy, before we came on? I I actually thought Kerry were the most impressive team of the weekend, genuinely. I, I just thought from where... Yeah, I just thought Kerry were, were the most impressive. Dublin first half, that was brilliant. The first half of Dublin Mayo, I thought was the best period of football over the whole weekend. 
in terms of just the intensity in the game and you're right Jimmy I agree uh, in the first half I was I thought Mayo probably shaded that first half they had all the ball they had a point up they did yeah and they were caught I agree like Ryan O'Donoghue who scores three points from play Tommy Conroy gets two Aidan O'Shea when he's playing inside is causing Davy Byrne all sorts of problems and the one thing I'd love to know from Mayo five minutes before half time I see Aidan O'Shea back in his own half and I was like lovely yeah, yeah. as a Dublin fan why that happened whether that was him coming out because Reap was under a bit of pressure himself or whether it was McStay called it or whatever and then taking him off 10 minutes into the second half and everyone's going oh look there he goes O'Shea conceding one forward in the first five minutes exactly it's typical take off the corner forward it was bizarre that drives me mad yeah so 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 it was uh, and I have to say that Aidan O'Shea at different stages throughout the season was excellent when he was we spoke on this pod so many bloody times play him inside give him a defined role and look how good he was and then you start mix, mix, mixing it up and dragging him in and out it's messing with his own head it's messing with the structure of the Mayo team I tell you what the Dublin team were delighted seeing him going back into his own half um, so, so whoever made that call or whatever way that happened it's not Aidan O'Shea's the scapegoat for Mayo I think there was a malfunction across the board I thought the O'Hara matchup before Conor Basquiat I just don't do not for like the game Paddy Paddy that man was ill last week he couldn't even make the bus he should not with. have been I don't like saying the guys but that is just not a good matchup but why, what was wrong with Hessian that he didn't start Hessian that's what Dublin did it hasn't started him a lot of games this year. It's been a funny one. Like he's uh, McStay has stayed with a similar team for much of this year. If you look at the Dubs did with Newcomb, Dublin had this thing and they took Newcomb out. Yeah, it didn't do anything wrong, but it just it was not a good fit for the way Mayer were going to line up. Newcomb's played every game, and they go, "We need to bring Davy Byrne in, who's been injured, but physically." And Davy Byrne still struggled with O'Shea in the first half, but it was a call that had to be made. The matchups we've said it so many times. I remember talking to Dublin Mayo semi final two years ago myself and Andy Moore and were on this show, and the matchups are so mm. critical. And that was one that was just. Mm, didn't but do you remember Pascal's first point where um, I th- someone put an outside of the boot kind of well out under the Hogan, and he he literally yeah, didn't even have to do a sidestep. Yeah. He just ran past him and chipped it over. It was the easiest point I've ever seen in the whole Ireland quarter final. It was just. Uh, but the, the thing is with, with Dublin when you have six going forwards like that eventually you're running out of markers like that's why I say load the, load the half forward line with scorers as well because they need minding load the full forward line as soon as you start playing defenders up front you're making it easier for the opposition James you've been there before right can I ask you when Reiner who is playing so well in the first half we mentioned Aidan O'Shea and, and how, the influence he was having in those couple of big moments Tommy Conroy burned um, the Dublin defence for one point James McCarthy mm. hacks him down for a yellow card for another one he had struck Stone fear in, yeah. Stone yeah. stu- he had struck fear into him and Conroy looked like this is the boy that we saw in Crow mm-hmm. Park in 2021 yeah. in the second half Conroy barely touches the ball I think for about 20 minutes Aidan has taken off Ryan O'Donoghue missed the free he's not in the game at all when you're a forward who's in form how are the dubs so good at reacting and taking well, you out of that form it was nothing I don't things. think it was anything that the Dublin defence did it was Dublin's attack and midfield got so physical and stopped the ball coming down midfield. but at the same time I would say Mayo waved the white flag there after the, after the second goal it was it was a case mm. of we're not winning this and the effort levels definitely dropped so if they could have if they could could have hung in there during Dublin's purple patch which they always have in the championship quarter as they call it in that third quarter if they could hang in there just keep the score down and they'd have come again like they always do but there was too much damage done the heads went down 
There you go. So that's a sense from Paddy and James about the uh, weekend. I sort of felt with Mayo, I mean, there was just a sense of the game's over. Even Mayo heads dropped because it was just so apparent it was beyond them. I wouldn't, you know, plenty of fight in that Mayo team. I think just an understandable bit of realism kicked in. So I don't know, um, Colin Boyle on Monday pretty much saying, yeah, they feel a long way away now. Yeah, they're I don't know, Nathan was saying on OTBAM, I don't know if it was this morning or yesterday morning, about like them being a kind of a young team. with and, and, and there is a lot of young players in that that have more to give. But I still think the majority of the linchpins of that team have been the guys who've been there for a long time, you know. And it'll be interesting to see where Mayo are when there's no Killian O'Connor, no Aidan O'Shea, uh, you know, no... Um, you know, Kevin McLaughlin, whoever. Like, there's a couple more, even that that's like escaping me at the moment. That have been there, like even a good while. Tommy like, Conroy like, have been, has been around a long time yeah, now. Like, you know, the and fact that Oshie Mullins now, Jason Doherty, Keegan Gore. You know, like these guys have all got a good bit of experience at the moment. And then it's like, right, what's next? You know, and look, there's good players. Yeah, but we don't know what they're going to be like without that core there. So I'd be very worried. I think that I, I to be honest, I thought that Mayo's time had passed the 2019 semi-final against Dublin when Con destroyed them in the second half I didn't think Mayo were ever going to get back to it the fact that they've been in two All-Ireland finals mm. since shows you that you can't write them off like they're actually incredible resilience like you know but again it still was the same core of the team you know yeah first half was very good <laughs> it is the thing it really was yeah 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 and they've had a good season overall you would have to say but it's been too hit and miss mm. too inconsistent uh Dublin just did what they do sometimes isn't it like this is what Dublin used to do is like you think a team is in the game and before you know it they're six points down and nothing's really happened yeah so it is amazing this sense God Cluxon's come back it's desperation might work McCaffrey God Mannion McCarthy looks as good as he's ever looked even 10 years ago yeah but uh, all these guys coming back I mean uh, suddenly um the narrative shifts a little bit, doesn't it? Like From a, a desperation to, ooh, this looks quite like clever. A, yeah, like a touch of aura again. Mm-hmm. I thought on yeah. Sunday's like, oh. Not to mention that you've seen the picture of the bench at one stage and it was Jack McCaffrey sitting beside Dean Rock, sitting beside... Kieran Kilkenny. Uh, Kieran Kilkenny. <laughs> Kieran Kilkenny, who just like wasn't playing. And you're like, oh, so if they're level with 10 minutes to go, yeah. <laughs> this game's over, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's going to be amazingly interesting now. Obviously, everybody counting down to Dublin. Kerry... Oh God, I, I'm, I think Derry have a really, really good yeah. chance against Kerry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really do. I don't. Yeah, I think it's a, I, I don't not quite fifty-fifty. I'll be picking Kerry, but I think it's. I think it's very close. Yeah, Derry obviously didn't sparkle against Cork, but all year I've got the feeling in big games that Derry are going to come out on top or have that bit about them. Like when you have an elite scorer like Shane McGuigan, and then you've got such good players, a really good midfield, and a very tight defence. Mm. They've got the. They've got what it could take to potentially shackle Kerry. And we saw that happen against uh, Toronto a couple of years ago in the semi-final. I'm not saying they're exactly the same type of team, but it's like if Kerry don't get the freedom they were afforded last weekend, it could be very, very tricky against Derry. Yeah. Quick pick spoiler for two weeks' time. Well, I mean, I hope it works because (laughs) otherwise uh, we've had this like long period of shadow boxing and then it's going to get really good from here on in. You would say quarterfinal weekend, as thrilling as the few minutes were when Dublin did their thing to Mayo and the penalty shootout was in the last two or three oh, minutes I suppose the 90 minutes before that penalty shootout Joe yeah not thrilling oh. so you, you would kind of say God that wasn't like this extraordinary weekend and if now the semi-final weekend is also not extraordinary then I really feel that the dessert I was promised 
is not as nice <laughs> as everyone telling me it was going I to hear be. The vinyl has to be the sweetest you. cherry you've ever had. Yeah. Uh, we should uh, remind you that Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of Off The Ball. Each week we're giving one lucky listener €100 Euro voucher to spend on some Braeburn Coffee goodness. All you have to do is check out at Off The Ball on Twitter. Just like and retweet our Braeburn competition post and you are in the draw. And there are new locations popping up all the time. You can visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Braeburn. Good news before we go to the break. We'll be in the safe, comfortable and reassuring arms of Richie McCormack on Monday. With you, officer, Skyven. swinging a golf stick. There you go. Yeah, so all's well that ends well. Okay. See very you good. Tuesday. Oh, very good. See you Tuesday. <laughs>